Support for the We Need to Be Doing That podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I always call them that. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOING20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure to use the code DOING20. We need to be doing that, a podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. I'm Elliot Gerard. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes. Come on. We need to be doing that. We're excited to welcome Mr. Internet, Jack Settleman, to the podcast. We're going to talk NBA Top Shot, because the three of us have no fucking clue what that is. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. Jack, what's up, man? What's going on? And when you say you have no clue what that is, all you have is a clue. You just don't know what to do with it. That's that's deep, dude. It's intriguing. I, <laughs> say more. Because <laughs> you don't have a clue, meaning maybe you don't really know about it. If you own a Twitter account and you like basketball, I feel like it's graced your screen over the past week. Th- but that's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. We're seeing a lot about it. And and so so Jonah links me to the Darren Ravel tweet, and I respond, put it in English. I have no idea what he is saying. Are you? Have you guys done anything in sports cards, physical collectibles, anything like that? We uh, own them. I don't think I've I've never really gone to the secondary market and tried to start selling them yet. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the the best way to approach is in layman's terms. If no, if, if somebody out there didn't have any idea what the Top Shot thing is, uh, if you can explain it for those types of people. Okay, so in layman's terms, it's a digital collectible. That's as simple as it gets. Um, it's a store of value. It's going to have utility. What do all those things mean? It essentially means someone sees worth in it and another person's going to see worth in it and will pay for it. Therefore, there's a market for it. But these things are digital sports cards, I think is the easiest way to get that across. And then the most obvious response is, well, can I look at that on YouTube? The answer is yes, but you do not own it. That is what is so unique about the blockchain is there's verifiable ownership. You can actually see who owns these things. I can go on Etsy right now. I can get a picture of the Mona Lisa hanging up on my wall. I promise you it's not worth $10 million because (laughs) it's a knockoff. So these things are licensed by the NBA, which is another really important part to the whole equation. And so in its simplest terms, it is a digital sports card. Is the value then, it's really not based off, so I think the difference here, right, is there's a value to a piece of memorabilia or a sports card because it's physical, it might have sentimental value, it might look cool on your walls, those types of things. This is in essence sort of like a crypto, right? Like the value increases due to the limited availability of it, but it doesn't seem like people are collecting them because they they actually like looking at them or they're cool things to have in their on their hard drive or anything of that. Yeah. Scarcity, rarity is kind of what you're referring to, right? Which drives a lot of the crypto and NFT market in itself. 
what's really cool is I think you're going to get all aspects involved in this. So for example, you mentioned like in physical cards, it's collect what you love, right? And you'll never lose money. Okay. So maybe that's a percentage of top shot. Like I think some of the moments are cool. I think some of the moments look cool. You'll be able to showcase them. You'll be able to go into a VR world and, and look at them in your virtual showcase. Um, but I also like to draw the comparison to when I invest in Apple, I don't look at the ticker all day and like love the ticker. So there can be. (laughs) Right. I have a tab open right now. (laughs) I just stare at the the letters uh, of Apple. So I think like some people who have just drawn a direct comparison to physical cards say, well, we're collecting what we love and it's all of that. And it's like you wouldn't you would not be paying 20 grand for that MJ rookie. Uh, just because you love it, if it, you know what I mean, like if it dropped to four thousand dollars or it became worthless, you wouldn't love it as much. I promise you that. So I like to call people out a little bit on their bull there. Um, but I also think there's utility, and this is massive. So let's. I have physical cards right here. People who are listening can't see it, but what can I do with these cards? I can look at them. I can show them off, and that's pretty much where the train stops. The utility of digital and these collectibles are just unbelievable. You can play fantasy with them. You can, you're going to be able to showcase them virtually. Like I talked about, you're going to be able to, you can already create sets which get rewarded and you redeem new moments. You're going to be able to play video games with them. You're going to be able to go to the Knicks Warriors game tonight and there's going to be a clip from it and you're going to be able to hold it in your digital passport and you're going to own a moment from the game tonight. And it might not cost $150. You might just scan the ticket and you're going to have that RJ Barrett dunk on Steph Curry's head. So the utility of these things are unlimited. They truly are. And you compare that to the physical card market and the utility of those are, are essentially nothing. And then you, it just goes on and on and on. But um, as you can tell, I'm a big believer in Top Shot. <laughs> I was just going to say, we do not release the video of this, but Jack is hype as fuck right now. And this is why <laughs> this is why we wanted him on, because th- there's no better person to explain this. I mean, is it is it the sports card version of Bitcoin? Um, so what NBA Top Shot's done incredibly is they've brought in the cryptocurrency community because it's blockchain and it's all that stuff. But they've also hidden it completely. You can easily come onto Top Shot and have zero clue you're playing on a blockchain, playing with crypto. You deposit with the credit card, stuff ends up in your account, just like if you bought something, if you bought an audio book online and it ended up in your library. So um, I think both sides of it and NFTs and digital are the future. So yeah, crypto has evolved, but it's also hidden, which is what they've done really smart. So if... There are people listening to this out there. They're intrigued. They're interested in it. What would be your advice for dipping their toe in and, and starting this process of buying some some moments? So I am a believer in the not collect what you love, but but buy the players that you're a believer in. Um, I've admitted many a times I'm awful at timing the market. I'm doing a challenge right now. I'm trying to take I wanted to show like, can this market really be as insane return? So I'm taking I had a thousand bucks in my account trying to turn it into 100K. The first three moments that I bought and flipped are all now worth uh, essentially twice the amount of the current amount I have for the challenge. So I'm not good at timing the market. Um, There's a lot you can study. There's stuff from 
what moments are going to get badges added to them in the future that denote that they were a rookie when Top Shot launched? There's a bunch of materials and resources out there that you can find. 1.37 p.m. wrote stuff. Discord has been incredible. And I think as a whole, what the Top Shot community is doing, which is great, is you have access to the top people in the world. I mean, they have account valuations of $20 million and they have 2,000 Twitter followers and they'll sit down with you for an hour and go back and forth, answer your questions. And I'm trying to kind of pay that forward as well. Whereas I always compare it to like, if I wanted to be a real estate agent in New York, I could never get 30 minutes with the top real estate agent in the world and the top NFT holder in the world was willing to give me 30 minutes. So they understand the value in building that community. I would honestly go to them first. We do content. It's more fun content than informational content. The first mint, he's absolutely incredible. We'll give you a whole outlook on the market. But if you come to me and say, I have 500 bucks, what do I invest? I can teach you how to kind of figure out what moments are worth 500 but at the end of the day, um, my strategies have kind of been misses. I've just been holding a lot of stuff. So I've kind of enjoyed the rising tide of it all. I have a better understanding of this. And I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us. And it was trying to understand, like, I see multiple people go in and buy a moment. And I'm sure that's due to the cost. Um, is there any other rationalization of doing that? In, in terms of what? Like, why would multiple people want to go in together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, to buy the best stuff, right? If you don't have the bankroll to acquire what you think is going to be the top moments on the platform, you fractionally invest. And that's you're seeing that in dibs. You're seeing that in collectible. You can fractionally invest in a Michael Jordan rookie card, right? So you're actually buying it digitally. You're buying a piece. So people don't realize who are so stuck to their cardboard that they're already doing this. And there's a major market for it in the first place. But that that example would just be like, I can't afford two hundred eight thousand dollars, which is what it costs for the LeBron Cosmic. So I'll throw thirty thousand, fifty thousand, whatever it is, and just get a sliver of it. Because I think my bet is the studs and the early stuff is the stuff that's up heavy over time. And if they don't have access to that, what happens is you start buying the Ishmiths of the world for $700. And in two years, you know, what value is Ishmith retaining? It's tough to say. So PAX, I think that's something that's got to be discussed too, right? Because that is limited when they release these PAX. And essentially, of course, if you're listening out there, and again, this is the um, analogy to sports cards, you go into a store, right? Instead of buying one individual card that either has a value that you think will be worth more later on or something that's sentimental value, whatever it is, the purchase of an individual card. But then you could buy a pack, which you never know what's inside the pack. And that was always the fun part as a kid, right? Yeah. You buy all these packs. I remember I bought boxes of the sky boxes, right? And like, I just take a night and just go through you know, 40, better, right? 50 packs. This is the greatest thing ever. I was like, what am I going to get? So essentially, they're trying to recreate this, I believe, right? Yeah. And but they only release those packs every so you know it it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason when they go out and and how many there are going to be available. Yeah, I can answer that. So when I was on the site pre uh, January back in December, there were packs sitting there. You could buy them, right? Like I'm sure you could have gone to Target two years ago. You could have bought. Uh, sports cards. Now with the craze of it, the demand is just absolutely out of this world. So they've gotten to the point where they can't even get close to dropping enough packs for people. They've said the goal is one day when a new user comes, they want them to be able to rip open a pack. The problem is the demand is so high 
and it's scaled so quickly that the $9 packs turn into $300 worth of value. And in, in a real world, like those packs they used to rip, it was more of a lottery, right? Like they were net losses over time unless you pulled something crazy. So I think that's what it'll look like in the future. Right now, they're just trying to catch up for the demand. They went from 8000 bucks a day a few months ago to $50 million. So, you know, they're a little behind when it comes to that. People are pretty pissed because they can't get packs. It's a higher entry point um, just to get in and you get a crappy player at this point. So that'll all even out over time. But the packs are awesome because, like you said, one day you're going to be able to just sit there and it's going to be dangerous when you can just rip $9 packs. It's all digital. You don't have to go to the store. You're clicking a button. It's flashy. The music's playing. It goes straight to your account. You can buy and sell instantly. And I think that's huge. We would rip packs. You can't sell those singles for anything, right? Even for a dollar, you can't do it on eBay. So now you're going to be able to buy, immediately list it, and it could sell within seconds, um, which will just replenish your balance. And then you'll rip open more packs, which will be crazy. But uh, that's kind of the benefit to digital packs. And just quickly, the the fundamental understanding of what this is, when you say they, uh, the company is top shot. And they have a relationship with the NBA. It's not owned by the NBA, correct? Correct. So the company is actually Dapper Labs, who created NBA Top Shot. They originally created Crypto Kitties, which was one of the first NFT projects. It was these digital kittens, which I admit, I still don't really get how those work or were worth value. How many do you own? I own zero <laughs> kitties. I own zero kitties. Oh. But I've been tempted. I've been tempted um, just to be a part <laughs> of history. Um, but... But they created Top Shot, so they have a ton of experience in the space. They've already inked a deal with the UFC. They're closing a, uh, a valuation of $2 billion, $250 million raise. Um, NFL and MLB are next. Uh, allegedly, no one's really confirmed those reports. But uh, So that's who they're doing. But what makes this very interesting, Panini, uh, in 2018, their deal with the NBA, whatever it was to license that, I'm sure it's now worth 2x that with the sports card boom, right? So the NBA is going to come with all the leverage in the world and say, look at how sports cards have taken off. You need to pay this or else we're ripping that away and we'll go somewhere else. What Dapper did, genius, 5% marketplace fee um, on every transaction. So they have $50 million yesterday. So $2.5 million um, in whatever, net for Dapper. They split that up. No one knows the exact percentage. The belief is it's a clean split down the middle. So now you've got $1.25 million in profits, not just revenues, profits that the NBA took home. Multiply that out by 365 and you've got almost a $500 million uh, revenue stream that they have been searching for um, after COVID. And it's essentially printing money. And it doesn't matter really how much money comes in. It just matters that people are transacting and they're taking a little cut. So NBA is super incentivized. Now what gets interesting is, is Dapper and the NBA smart enough to give the player a cut? Because if the player gets a cut on every transaction on himself, then he's posting about it on social. He's promoting it. Instead of uh, SportsCenter top play, he's saying, wow, top shot that. And it becomes such a part of the NBA culture. And if every party from Dapper who's building it to the NBA who's getting a cut and the player's getting a cut, everyone's on the same wavelength. It's not sports betting. So you don't have to, you're not, it's not ho hum, hush, hush. Everyone can talk about it because it's positive player performance. I mean, 
you, you can kind of hear the potential. Well, there's two aspects to that. There's, well, it's revenue shared. So the, the players are getting a cut. Right. They're just not specific players when you get more than the other. Exactly. Right. So it's a shared revenue um, situation currently. But it's interesting what you're saying now is, is that endorsement by that player essentially could be like the signature. Like if I had a Jordan sign card, the value of that card is 20x. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'll give I'll give you a couple examples of how the players getting involved is cool. So, um, like in the transaction history, you can see who owned a moment. So if Josh Hart buys his moment and then relists it, isn't it kind of cool that you're buying it from Josh Hart instead of you know Joe Schmo on the street? Number two, uh, audio autographs. So a player commentating their clip or leaving a message for an owner of it. Um, how much would you pay if you bought a Damian Lillard for a thousand bucks? You've seen it go up to twelve hundred, but now you can pay three hundred bucks to get it endorsed or autographed, essentially over over an audio. I mean, he could rap on it like he's a rapper. You can build personality there. So those are just a couple examples of ways that the players could further. But one of the coolest things that I think it'll get to is and why I think the players need to be more incentivized over maybe a revenue uh, rev share. Anthony Edwards poster dunk, right? That's a sick moment, right? That's going to be probably the best play of his rookie season. If the night after the the morning of, they're like, we're launching five thousand or ten thousand of these for like Tops does. Tops does these Tops now cards. They did one for Fauci when he threw the first pitch. Anthony Edwards will now post on his Instagram because he knows he's going to get a cut of the amount that sell for ten bucks. Okay, so he's driving a million dollars in rev. He gets ten percent, and he just made a hundred grand just by posting a sick play. And he's finally able to monetize that moment instead of picking up a few thousand Twitter followers. I think he's still lost. <laughs> I mean, here let me give you let me give you some more games that that are being played out here. Uh, Six billion dollars FIFA sold in packs. You've got so you've uh-huh. got an entire generation who's spending money in a game, and next year it loses every single dollar of value. Now you've got NBA Hardcourt, the Top Shots building, that they're going to be able to play with their moments, but year over year, the players won't necessarily have to lose their value. LeBron can carry over, and all all that money you spent retains value. It could even go up. Even if it goes down, it doesn't go to zero like it does when you're playing FIFA. So kids are already trained for this. The kids aren't going to be able to necessarily buy the moments because it might be like an 18 plus type of thing. So now the parents are involved. Now the kids are educating their parents about NFTs, crypto, uh, these moments. And who has the real money? They do. They come in. They see it as an investment opportunity, day trading, sports betting, stocks, all that stuff. You've got a whole nother um, essentially market and you've got the education from the kids. You've got it's it's. It's insane. So the integration into the video game, so 2K, you essentially maybe you could also buy packs or buy moments, right? So that is my big pitch. Um, I've been talking with the people at 2K. There's some everything's going to have legal complications, and everything's probably you know a year or two down the road. But they're all so right now in 2K, you can spend money, you can build a my team, right? Where you get an 89 rated LeBron, you get an 82 rated Bruce Bowen retro or whatever. And you build these teams and you can play with friends against friends online, you climb leaderboards, etc. And to every card or to every player, there's different tiers. So you've got a legendary LeBron, that's a 99 overall, you've got whatever, you could easily make that comparison or draw in the top shop market. So you could you your 99 LeBron could be the uh, LeBron Cosmic, which was the $208,000. So 
only one person would be able there's only 49 of them but in 2k only 49 people in the world would be able to actually play with that moment um the rest of the people might buy the base lebrons and then they they're playing with an 89 overall lebron so uh i think that's absolutely a potential partnership with 2k Right now, Top Shot's building their own mobile game. It could look like NBA Jam. It could be two-on-two stuff that you know we've been playing for years. Yeah, I mean that whole card system is so built into the sports games, like the NBA 2Ks and stuff yeah. like that. I'm surprised it's not like more, um, you know, intensified within it. To yeah. be honest, it, it's it's already going on. So you know, it, this is just another layer to it all. What about shoe collectibles? They're coming. Nike's releasing an NFT. So here's a world where um, instead of paying 100 bucks to go to the Knicks game tonight, I've got 12 Knicks friends and we're going to digitally go watch the game together in a Zoom. But instead of a Zoom, we're in a virtual world and my avatar shows up and he's wearing an RJ Barrett Knicks jersey that I bought for five bucks off Genie's. And then I'm also showing up in my Nike Jordan 1s that I bought for 12 bucks. And then some guys got a signed Emmanuel Quickly hat that they're showing off, right? And it, it's just in a digital world. And like to say that people won't do that is naive. Like as dumb as it sounds, you know, if I told you this five years ago, it's absolutely here. Um, half the experience of the Nike sneakers app is showing off that screenshot. How many people actually wear those shoes, right? They don't because they lose value when they do. It's a clout thing. It's a it's a lot like that. So. I don't know if you guys have seen CryptoPunks. Mm-hmm. So CryptoPunks, that's the first ever NFT. And like some people are like, you know, there's no utility to it. It's not that cool. It's kind of dumb. But at the end of the day, like we live in a society where it's just show it like who has what. And there's a bunch of very, very wealthy people who just have stuff to have stuff to say they have stuff. Um, so, you know, th- that's the type of world we may be living in very shortly. Black Mirror come to life. Exactly. Exactly. And we're going to be the old men get off my lawn type of guys. <laughs> this is past us by. No, I but feel like I'm already there. No, but I think you guys taking the time to learn and understand is putting at a massive advantage because there's a lot of people who wouldn't even sit down and, and listen or try to learn. They're just like, that's so dumb. I need to hold this. I, I didn't touch my sports cards for six months when I was living in Florida over the winter. I came home. Trust me, there was. I, what what do I what can I do with them? I can touch them. That's great. I can see them. But after that, like this podcast, you're listening on your phone. You're gonna go see a Twitter clip. You're gonna be on Instagram. You're gonna send a text. Everything we're doing is virtual and digital. So I just think the physical, tangible, the really cool stuff, I think will always exist and maybe even go up in value. But the stuff that I don't know, this Kevin Love prospect ticket, like what am I, you know. That's not that cool to hold. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen too, it's the same, you know, I invest in crypto and like the initial stages, the learning curve. Yeah. Once that declines and people have an easier entryway into it and accessing it and understanding what it is and and what's coming. And I think that's going to be the same thing, although Top Shot's a little easier to understand and work with. But um, I, I think it always comes with fear and skepticism is tied together, right? Couldn't, so I think, I think it's more. coming and these things are going to be connected too because it's also verified. I think there's a lot of issues with that in the marketplace of even shoes, um, fake Louis Vuittons. Like yeah. we've always seen that this shit happen all the time. And now 
Now, because of the technology of blockchain and crypto and the things that have been established before, it also allows some security and uh, verification on, on the product that you have and you're selling. 100%. No doubt about it. Well, it's also like exclusive content, exclusive content that you can get, you can only get. Well, well why wouldn't you pay for it? You know? Um, or you see teams, like maybe teams offer up, hey, there's this interview with, you know, Damian Lillard. Um, it, cost X amount in top shot or crypto or whatever it is. And maybe there is some other verticals and streams. It's, it's interesting. I'm, you know, NBA has been at the forefront of a lot of technology and a lot of movement in this direction. So it's interesting to see that they're, they're on the forefront for sure. I got nothing else. <laughs> I just I feel like he's, he's looking older by, by yeah, I think he just aged like 20 years. <laughs> I really, I mean, and this is like, all right. So let me ask Keith, do you, it's a lot, it's overwhelming and it's happening with crazy speed because the scale, right? Like nothing, we, we don't see scale like this 10 years ago. You see it in the yeah. digital age now where, you know, I think it freaks people out because we grew up and it was like, I'll give the example of, you know, people were trying to make 3% on their funds and that was like a crazy good consistent return. And now it's like 7X isn't enough on Top Shot. So it feels and, like and a, a gold watch at the end of your, uh, you know, 40 years at a company. Exactly. Exactly. So we're living in a digital age. But the question is, if, if it is a complete shift, then I think those digital things need to have, we're catching up quickly. Like instead of filling the stock market, which took a hundred years to get to this market cap, they're just trying to replace it at a different speed. So um, I guess the question is, do you, if you don't like it or you don't get it, do you understand it? Like, where do you think you sit on, on all of this going on? I, I like it. I'll go so far as to say, I love it. I want to understand it. And I, I texted a bunch of guys last night, or maybe it was a week ago. Guys, I have no fucking clue what this is. I will give you money. I don't want to feel like I'm passing up something. Yeah. But by all means, put this money somewhere where you think it's it's kind of like me going to you as a financial advisor and saying, I got no clue, Jack. Here's my money. Help me out. That's where I'm at. I don't fundamentally understand it enough to do it myself and feel confident in it. Um, but based on your stories, maybe I don't have to. Maybe I just let it rip and see what happens. Well, yeah, that's that is the dangerous part is a lot of people are FOMOing into it. And I think you've been responsible in saying like either someone who gets it, go do it. I'm going to keep learning about it, but I don't want to miss out on it because it feels like, you know, you, there is an opportunity to make some money. Um, yep. But I don't I see a lot of uh, pump and dump. I see a lot of people who are just like to the moon rocket ship. And I hate that shit. Like, I, and it's not because I'm pr over here preaching that, um, like, collect what you love. Like, I think people are in this to make money. I actually think that's okay. But it's this awful screenshot of 800% uh, gains and acting like everyone's going to be able to do that. It's, it's impossible. Like, it is legitimately impossible for every person to gain 800%. So I've, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of different influencers who have millions of followers. And I've said, please be careful with this stuff. Leave disclaimers, do not promote it like this, because it gets very dangerous when you do that. And especially the pump and dumps. Like, I think that's the scum of the earth, like, because you're pumping to your audience, and then who gets lost in the dump? The difference do. in mm -hmm. GameStop is there were actually people on the other side. Right. So if we hate the rich old white man who's who's won for the past 300 years, I get that. That's a, that's for a different time. But there's someone on the other side. 
when you're pumping and dumping on your own audience, like that's, I mean, that's just terrible. That's criminal, so, man. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's unregulated. So I think, yeah. you know, I'm just very cautious about that. I try to do disclaimers. There's no doubt I have a ton invested in. And if it benefits, I benefit. And I will always answer the questions when there's negatives. There's been a ton of problems with the site. It doesn't feel sustainable. But then when you take a step back, you also have 120,000 people on the site and the total addressable market is 150 million plus people, uh, NBA fans over the age of 18. So, you know, what percentage have we even tapped into at this point? It's global. Sports cards are not global, right? Like you can't ship to Canada. You can't ship to China. They're going to be able to buy because of the blockchain um, from anywhere in the world. So I'm so bullish on it because I think utility, globalization, decentralization all exist. But I just hate the pump and dumps, the to the moon, the like Dogecoin, like mm-hmm. Dogecoin was so dangerous because there's no backing to it. There's no it's a meme, like it's a legitimate meme that people were pumping and eventually dumping. Bitcoin is actually a store of value like it. There's a there's a white paper behind it. There's a thesis behind it. It's, it has utility. Dogecoin is just a price. You're just betting and and selling on a price. So I think like there's dangerous stuff out there. Don't get caught up in the FOMO. Don't just because Josh Hart's tweeting about his moment, go buy Josh Hart. Um, that's probably a good time to sell because people are going to chase that. But um, be careful out there. But also like be active in learning because digital. I believe. I mean, you guys. You, you started the digital revolution. So you know like what it means to do all that stuff and you understand it. Now you just got to you know, educate yourselves on this specifically. I think it's in it, – it, we're missing the story specifically if we're just talking about Top Shot. I think it's the story of technology and the change in the way we exist and operate within the use of those technologies and similar to how a cryptocurrency – is global. It's not regulated by the banks, uh, but it does have a market cap. So there is some some stability, even more stability, I would say, than than a bank that doesn't actually have your money if you go need to go get it back. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we're we're marching towards this, and people have a difficulty in sort of like, okay, what is this? And then, uh, like I said, the fear then brings skepticism and and all sorts of ignorance. But I like what you said about the influencers. I also think it's a lot like sports gambling too. And when we started to see the rise right. of FanDuel and all those things, and people yep. don't know, how do I bet on the over, the under, all these like things. And now that it's easier, right? FanDuel, DraftKings, they've made it easier. They've integrated it with your fantasy. Now we're starting to see people understand how to bet and what is betting and how you can understand you're not getting fair value at a price at minus 150. You should be seen at another book where you're getting 115. And there's a lot of sharks out there that are going to take your money. Um, so it, it's, it's all going to happen. I think. The, what's great about this podcast and the way you've laid it out is let's embrace the technology and, and the, this sort of revolution that's kind of coming, which is going to be cool because it's going to fuel other opportunities. Um, and and hopefully it'll be you know a, a cool marketplace for people to interact in. It's a great point on the FanDuel stuff. They draw, they still do, but they draw in a lot of people on these parlays and these crazy hits, right? And I promise you, that's what they want you betting on. So I see a lot of that in the Top Shot community is to the moon, you know, look at my 800% gains, get people in. One thing that I do like about it versus gambling is it's not zero. It's not a net net. It's not zero sum game. Like even if let's say you invest in a Donovan Mitchell for 500 and it drops to 250, 
you only lost, you know, 50% of your investment. In sports betting, if you make you make a great call on Donovan Mitchell and you think he's going to have a great game and he, you know, he misses his prop by half a point, you're out 500 bucks. You know, it's it, it's a net zero game. So Great point, yeah. I, I yeah. think for that reason, you know, when people are losing any money right now, they don't want to sell or they don't want to get out, but if you just understand like that's okay to lose 10% here if you're going to make 12% here whereas sports betting my my favorite actual comparison of the net zero is like MVP bets or rookie of the years like I bet I was so hyped on quickly right and so his his moments actually aren't up I'm saving up all my money I'm going to buy every single one and sell them to dumb Knicks fans but uh I love quickly and and betting him rookie of the year you get you know, 40 to one odds. And he looked like he was going to make a run at it early in the season. It's LaMelo's award. But that doesn't mean that Emmanuel quickly isn't way up from where he was originally projected. So on top shot, if he had been there from day one, his stuff is up 30%. If you bet on him to win rookie of the year, you're down 100%. So I think that's another angle that I think is really promising. Well, we got to wrap this up because I got to fire my financial <laughs> advisor and back. My paperwork's coming to you. My <laughs> After all I need to hear. I got to sign that PDF. I'm yours. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to push that either. But no, this has been super, super helpful. Um, I like the last point because I think that is what brought me around. I was so focused on what the hell is this thing? It is one piece of a larger thing that I do have a l- understanding of. Um, I'm getting there. And that's really what we need to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you a whole NFT digital um, examination and study guide at some point, And we can talk all about that because CryptoPunks, we touched on it. Hash masks. I mean, there's audio NFTs. It's crazy world. And we're just getting started. So don't feel like you're FOMOing. There's always going to be another thing that kind of comes around to your research. And uh, it's always a pleasure sitting down with you three. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information.